You're listening to the OMFIF podcast, the show that explores the latest insights and discussions on global finance, economics, and policy for people who love staying informed about the rapidly evolving landscape of the financial world. Join us as we break down complex topics, interview key thought leaders, and provide essential insights to keep you informed about the evolving world of finance. Hello and welcome to the first podcast of the year from OMFIF Sovereign Debt Institute. I'm Burhan Kabbai, Head of Content at the Sovereign Debt Institute, um, and I'm delighted to be joined by Siegfried Rule, Horse Class Advisor to the Director General for Budget at the European Commission. During this podcast, we're talking about the EU's first indication of the year, the EU's issuance plans for 2024, and the developments of the EU as part of its evolution towards a sovereign status uh, borrower in the bond markets. Firstly, thank you, Siegfried, for joining me. Uh, Before we go into talking about the recent syndication by the EU, uh, I'd just like to get your thoughts on the current market conditions uh, for public sector borrowers. As we're recording this uh, on the 2nd of February, we've just passed a record January uh, in terms of volume of supply in the bond markets. How does this current market at the start of the year compare to your previous years as a funding official? Yeah. Hi, Bohan. Yeah, you're absolutely right. January was uh, indeed an impressive month with all the supply. We saw around 260 billion of supply here in the first month of the year. And it was very impressive how the market was able to absorb it in the SSA market as well as in the EGB market. And, And also it was absorbed across the full curve. What's the reason for that? Well, some bankers would say supply creates demand. Um, But I think the reason is that a good combination of macro factors and technical aspects delivered the basis for that. End of last year, investors stepped back relatively early, and this may have accumulated some investment needs. Moderate inflation numbers fueled the expectations of rate cuts. The market rallied in the last quarter and the curve normalized. And all this supported the investment appetite at the beginning of the new year. So... In addition, the high supply didn't really surprise the market. Investors were prepared, and all this together delivered the basis for for this very strong month in in the primary market and also demonstrates how deep and strong the European capital market is. Yes, and uh, moving on to the EU's recent syndication, I guess all those factors helped that transaction. I think it was the the largest order book we've seen from the SSA market this year with 180 billion order book. Um, and that must have been quite close to the record for the EU as well. Um, was that surprising, particularly, I guess, as we look at a time when, you know, QE has stopped and those previous order books from the EU were, were at a time when, um, you know, QE, QE was at its peak. Uh, and now also the ECB is, is beginning to wind down its portfolio as well. We saw the market is in a good shape and we are, always confident about our transactions. We know we have a large and reliable investor base. So when we, when we opened the books for this transaction, we already felt very comfortable with it. Of course, a record is always, uh, has always an element of surprise. And um, we didn't, we, we expected a strong order book, but we didn't expect such a strong order book. But finally, with this dual tranche, we were able to attract a wide range of investors by issuing in the seven-year and the 30-year segment. Both maturities were well received by the market, maybe also due to the scarcity of peer supply in the relevant buckets. There was limited or no supply here in the seven-year and in the 30-year uh, segment uh, so far. 
with this transaction, we and in combination with the with the auction earlier in January, we issued already 12.6 billion of EU bonds under our unified funding program. Out of the 75 billion we have announced for the first half of this year. So it was a strong start also for us and uh, gives us confidence that we will be able to have a good uh, funding semester. Yes, thank you. And you mentioned the 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 the, uh, the first half funding needs of 75 billion for the EU. Could you sort of give us a picture of how many syndications uh, that will equate to and uh, and what the forecast if you do have one for for the second half is? Well, the 75 billion we announced will be raised uh, via seven auctions and six syndications. With the announcement of the funding plan, we also announced here the dates for these auctions and syndications as part of our transparent communication. It's our objective to moderately develop our auctions further in line with the development of our market and its capacity to absorb the auction supply. We also announced that we will continue to issue in green bonds in line with the development of the eligible expenditures we receive and we get reported from, from our member states. Regarding the green bond program, uh, we also want to show our strong commitment to this market segment by launching a new long-dated green bond in addition to TEPs of our existing bonds. So we will continue with our funding strategy to be present on all parts of the curve to provide regularly supply on the different maturity buckets to support the secondary market liquidity and to issue new bonds on new points of the curve as well as further uh, tapping existing bonds to support here their liquidity and to bring them to large benchmark sizes in the area of uh, up to 20 billion euros. Will this be the biggest year for EU issuance? Well, we announced semi-annual funding plans and we will announce in June our plans for the second half of the year. What we can say about the medium to long-term future is that after the amendment of the RRPs, the recovery and resilience plans of our member states, which also caused a reduced issuance volume in the second half of 23, we now know the final size for next generation EU. In the revised plans, our member states requested additional loans under the Repower EU policy to finance the energy transition. Now, 13 member states are requesting around 290 billion of loans. Together with the grants, this means finally a size for next generation EU of 720 billion or around 90% of the envelope of next generation EU will be used. In addition, member states approved yesterday a 50 billion facility to further support the Ukraine in the period of 2024 to 2027. Out of this 50 billion, 33 billion will be funded via the capital markets. Altogether, and with some rollover needs which will kick in in 2025, we have to fund around 500 billion until end of 2026. How these 500 billion will be distributed will be announced on a semi-annual basis, as you know it from us from the past. Of course, in these funding plans, we take into account 
the market absorption capacity uh, during different periods of the year. Yes, and uh, as we know, all the EU bonds are now issued under a unified format under EU bonds for all of its uh, various programs. And when we talk about EU issuance, we're not talking about the redemptions as well. Uh, when are the first redemptions due for the for the Shaw and NGU bonds? Because that will also also uh, increase the amount you then uh, issue in the bond markets. Well, we have to roll over the first uh, bond in 2025, a three-year bond which was issued in in 2022. Okay, thank you, uh, Siegfried. Uh, and, and now moving on to the um, other developments of the EU, particularly it, it, its evolution towards a, a sovereign status borrower. Um, it does seem to be a crucial year for for the EU in, in, in this evolution. Firstly, you recently launched the EU issuance service, which allows the settlement of EU bonds to take place in the Target 2 system, uh, which is the case for EU sovereign bonds. Could you talk a bit bit about that development and how that will help your issuance in EU bonds? The launch of the new issuance service in January with the first six-month bill issued under the EU issuance service or uh, called EIS was indeed another milestone in our work and in our process to develop to a sovereign-like issuer. With, with the EU issuance service, we are here reaching a, a settlement infrastructure for our issuances, which is comparable to the ones of the large European sovereigns. Means we are issuing via a CSD. We are settling in central bank money, which reduces the, the settlement risk and for us. And our bonds are immediately eligible in T2S, so also immediately eligible as collateral for transactions with the central banks. In addition, the special construction of the EU issuance service, where we use the National Bank of Belgium, NBB SSS, as our CSD, but uh, the bonds are only uh, in a first step uh, booked on, on securities accounts of other CSDs and ICSDs. We reach um, a level playing field with no geographical bias, so there is no advantage or disadvantage uh, for any uh, bank or investor in, in Europe uh, to be directly connected to the CSD or indirectly via other CSDs. So level playing field from a geographical basis and also uh, same uh, for the different ICSDs and CSDs, they have the a similar access to the bonds. Thank you. Yeah, and, and there are also plans uh, underway for launching a, a repo facility uh, this year. How is that going, and when is this expected uh, to launch? The repo facility will be the next big step in this development to a sovereign-like issuer. While our cash market is is well developed and uh, received another uh, significant uh, improvement with the quoting obligations we launched in. November last year, together with our primary dealers, the repo market, and this is also feedback we take from our investor survey last year, needs to be further developed. Our plan is to be ready uh, with our repo facility, which will allow us to participate actively here in the repo market by summer this year. In the first step, we will act as a backstop for our primary dealers so that they can cover potential short positions uh, in, in, in EU bonds via the issuer. 
and this should contribute to an increased liquidity and tighter bid offer spreads in the repo market for EU bonds. At the same time, we are encouraging on, in, on an ongoing basis in our investor relations work, market participants also to use these uh, bonds as a collateral in their transactions to include them in tri-party repo baskets. Many of these baskets were set up some time ago when the EU was still a small issuer in the SSA market. And so they were not the EU bonds were not considered as a collateral for tri-party repo baskets. The nature of the EU as an issuer has changed now, but this needs also to be reflected then in such uh, tri-party agreements. The same for other collateral agreements. Finally, including EU bonds in, in these agreements is to the benefit of all parties. The EU bonds are currently the cheapest, uh, highly rated, AAA rated and very liquid asset which is eligible in the market. So also the parties uh, agreeing here on, on repo agreements will benefit from, from the use of EU bonds as collateral. Yes, uh, you mentioned there the uh, the quoting commitments that EU launched uh, at the end of last year, which is another important development to support the EU's uh, secondary market uh, liquidity. And, and just to sort of uh, make it clear, these are not obligations. I think these are voluntary rather than an obligation for your primary dealers where they get points for internal rankings, which then uh, increases their eligibility to lead syndication uh, mandates. Um, how has that process been going on with your with your dealers? Have you noticed... Uh, an improvement in your in your secondary market liquidity from the from the quoting commitments. The start of the quoting system on electronic platforms, currently BrokerTech and MTS are the approved platforms, exceeded our expectations. With uh, around twenty billion turnover in November, which dropped in December to uh, a bit above ten billion, not a surprise. December is a less active month with also less trading days and recovered quickly now to January with an amount of 22, 23 billion traded here on these two platforms in January. These amounts are very strong and, and show that the market is um, taking this very positively. This is also in line with the feedback we receive from the market. I was last week on Roadshow having several meetings with large investors and they are all very happy about the Quoting system on MTS as it, it uh, improves the pricing quality on screens, the transparency uh, on EU bond prices, and finally, uh, it improves the secondary market liquidity. You're right, it's not mandatory for our primary dealers to be part of the primary dealer group. However, they are rewarded in our ranking system and it's mandatory to be eligible as a lead manager for syndicated transactions. Following the general concept of our primary dealer uh, network, we leave it up to the banks which role they want to play. And they decide uh, in how far they want to um, be active here in this quoting facility and therefore then eligible for lead mandates or not. Uh, okay, thank you. And um, there also is the expectation uh, that the EU will be moving towards creating a, a futures market this year, which is also a, a very important step in the 
in the evolution towards uh, a sovereign status. Um, could you share some light on that? Is that the plan to have the to have a futures market set up this year? And I, I guess has liquidity reached a point where uh, it, it does sort of, you know, the, the future market would make sense now for the EU? Well, a future market is not created by the issuer. The future is launched by a derivatives exchange and traded by market participants. Since the early days uh, of our large funding program, a future is discussed. And the discussion over the last weeks maybe uh, became a bit more intense. For us, the question is, is there a market in addition to the existing futures we have? And this is the pre-requirement for an access, uh, launching a successful future because it's important that the future is after launch also traded. Our market has grown rapidly and will continue to grow. With the numbers I announced uh, earlier, or I mentioned earlier here in this uh, chat, we will reach an outstanding debt of 1 trillion by end of 2026. Afterwards, we will stay in the market as an important issuer with rollover needs in the area of 40 to 50 billion for the upcoming years after 2026, plus whatever is politically decided on additional joint financing on a European level. Due to the unified funding approach, such potential additional uh, uh, decisions for joint financing will increase the issuance of EU bonds. This is what we can give to the market as an information, as a perspective, and based on that, market participants, the exchanges have to decide if they see here a market for the future. Okay, thank you. And, and now I wanted to ask you about how your investor base has changed and evolved as uh, with improved liquidity and as you move towards a sovereign like borrower. Um, are you still seeing more, um, I guess, more new investors come into your, come into your transactions? Indeed. The, our, our continuous effort to uh, increase our investor base starts to pay out, supported, of course, by the yield environment, uh, which makes it attractive for investors to uh, invest in Europe. And therefore, we see here uh, increasing demand from, from outside Europe and in the first transaction this year, as well as in several transactions last year, we see here strong uh, demand and new investors from regions like uh, Southeast Asia and the MENA region, but also um, Australia and Canada are increasingly active in our bonds. And here, not only the, the public sector, the reserve managers and the sovereign wealth funds. We also see increasing demand here from uh, asset managers, from insurance companies and from the pension industry. And what's your um, your focus now in terms of developing the investor base further in terms of in terms of regions and investor type? Well, our focus is here to further globalize uh, our investor base. We think there is uh, still more room. This is also linked to the perception and the treatment of EU bonds. Many large investors outside Europe are focused on the government bond market 
and uh, have to implement into their into their investment policies, into their risk risk uh, frameworks, uh, the EU, and to amend them in a way that it reflects the the new position of the EU as a as a sovereign like and large liquid and safe issuer in the market. All this needs time. There are a lot of decisions needed. Each investor has its own internal governance, and but it's it's an important step on our way. Uh, to a a sovereign-like issuer and to be treated like a a sovereign in the market that all these investors who are typically buying uh, government bonds are considering EU bonds as a a sovereign-like alternative. Yeah, thank you. And it's it's important to know it's it's a journey, but it's been quite a a rapid journey in terms of the EU's progress in terms of, uh, you know, Becoming a becoming a safe asset and global benchmark for for green assurance and and also for, for the bond markets in general and um, I mean how would you describe that where EU is on that journey now I mean in terms of being that European safe asset and 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 sort of a global benchmark and and just one more question on on top of that do you think the I mean do you think the EU bonds could ever rival the German Bund in terms of a safe asset in Europe Well, it's not our intention to rival with with any other issuer, we want to complement here the existing issuances in the market and finally strengthen the European capital market by providing another liquid and safe asset, which requires also uh, decisions and steps, as I mentioned, on the side of the market participants uh, to make this new liquid and safe uh, European asset also eligible to them. We do what we can from our perspective. We spoke about the quoting obligations. We spoke about the settlement system. We spoke about our next objective to um, launch here a repo facility. And another element we are working on is the inclusion in government bond indices. Uh, A lot of money is managed uh, passively or actively uh, and some way linked to government bond indices. We, for traditional reasons, are uh, currently included in the SSA indices, but also due to the f- our fast-growing market, um, this will lead over the upcoming years, by end of 2026, if you do some simulations uh, in, in, in some of the SSA indices to a situation where we on a risk-rated basis, have a 60 to 70% share, which is uh, no longer a well-diversified index. A similar simulation on some of the existing EGB index indices uh, gives us here a share, depending on the assumptions you make about uh, the supply from other issuers in the area of 5 to 10%, which sounds much better, healthier, more organic than than this 60-70%. So the size of our market with a 1 trillion outstanding debt end of 2026 or close to 1 trillion, we will be the fifth largest issuer also in terms of outstanding volumes. We are currently the fifth largest issuer in terms of annual issuance volumes. We will become the fifth largest in terms of outstanding volumes already this year. 
uh, the market infrastructure we are creating, the ecosystem we are creating, the way how we approach the market, our communication, the issuance formats of auctions and syndications, all this is uh, much closer to a sovereign bond market than the typical SSA market. And there's also the question about the character of the EU as an issuer. We are not a sovereign and we have no political ambition to become one. However, looking at the structure of the EU, I think we are also not a typical SSA issuer. The EU is based on a, on a budget and finally relies on the Euro strength of the European taxpayer, on European taxpayers' money. Why are the GNI contributions uh, from our member states and why are some direct own resources like the custom duties? In addition, member states have in the EU treaty transferred some sovereignty to the EU. The EU has legislative power. 80% of the national law in Europe is based on EU law. The EU has a court of justice. There is a European currency, the euro, and a central bank. We have a parliament. All this is also not typical for uh, SSA issuer. So we are somewhere in between. Traditionally, because of our market activities in the past, placed in the SSA segment, but it's worth to ask the question if this is still appropriate or asking the question in a different way. How would uh, EGB index or an SSA index be designed if you would start it now from scratch? Where would you put the EU? Would you put it because of the market structure more in the EGB space or would you put it still in the SSA market? And this needs to be discussed and we are actively here doing this with our primary dealers, with our investors. Finally, uh, it's important what they think and also with the index providers. Uh, thank you, Sigrid. We'll leave it there. Good luck for the year ahead and all the important developments that the European Commission is working on this year. Um, at OMFIF, we're proud and delighted to once again be playing a small part uh, with the Commission this year in, in taking the team to meet with investors uh, in Dubai and Singapore. And for our listeners and network, uh, our first public and in-person event will be taking place on March the 21st in Paris uh, with our annual Public Sector Debt Summit. It's the first of our two flagship events of the year. Please do check out our website for further details uh, and to register. We already have a great lineup of speakers, including uh, the European Commission uh, the, and the UK and Italian uh, debt management offices, as well as a number of leading asset managers. At this event, we'll also be revealing the results of our annual public sector debt outlook survey, uh, where we will be revealing uh, an insight from borrowers on the funding environment and plans for the year ahead, as well as their thoughts uh, on some key uh, thematic issues. So thank you once again, Siegfried, uh, and for everyone for tuning in. That's it from me. Many thanks. Thank you, Bohan. Thank you, Siegfried. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the OMFIF podcast. If you found today's conversation engaging, Make sure to stay tuned for additional thought-provoking discussions on worldwide finance, economics, and policy by subscribing to our channel. Stay connected of the latest developments by following us on our LinkedIn page, OMFIF Economic and Monetary Policy Institute.